0: Well, last Monday, um, our staff met for our staff meeting, and uh, we did a practice that we uh, frequently do. Uh, some some staff members. Anyway, I don't know if they all love it, but anyway, Mark, Mark makes us do it, <laughs> but this is what we do. We sit in a circle, and uh, and we ask each other this, I think, a very powerful question, and this is it. How are you feeling? And so, if I start it off, I'll turn to the person to my right or my left, and I'll say, how are you feeling? And they can't say, fine. They can't say, all's good. They can't say, you know, feel great. Uh, they have to respond with a feeling word, and we'll, we'll sit, and we'll... Wait as people try to come up with their feeling word. And, uh, and it's a time to build community with one another and to, you know, be real about where we are so that we can support one another. And after the events of last Wednesday and then, um, you know, with the attack on the Capitol and then just, you know, kind of the news and everything that was going on, uh, we asked the question, you know, how are you feeling? And, and multiple people reflected on kind of how that event and, and all that's been going on in the world and uh, that, that it just created created feelings of anxiety and feelings of disorientation and, and things like that. But but over and over and again, what we heard is we as a sh- staff shared, we said, but you know what? When we gathered on Sunday to worship, it felt like a reset. It felt like a Taking a deep breath, somebody said that as we were standing out in the, in the lobby there in the commons gathering area before we came in today. It's like when we gather together, it can feel like this deep breath of peace, this reset uh, as we gather with the people of God and we kind of get reoriented uh, as we focus on the, the Lord of all the earth. Well, we are in a sermon series, and it is entitled, What's Next? And when we were crafting this sermon series, what kind of the big idea behind all this is that 2020 has been a year like no other, uh, definitely one that will go down in the history books. And as we were coming into 2021, we wanted to say, well, let's ask the question, what's next? But as we are now, you know, a couple of weeks into 2021, I think the thing that we keep coming back to is that the the clock of this, you know, when the clock struck midnight, uh, you know, on on New Year's Eve, there there wasn't the rainbows and the fairy dust and the pixie dust and the unicorns, and, and all of a sudden, it was just this bright new tomorrow. It feels as if we are in this transitional season where we are not out of kind of some of the things that were hard in 2020. Um, I'm reading a book um, by a woman named Susan Beaumont, and she kind of the title of her book is worth the price of the book, uh, but I loved how the title, because it kind of gave me words for maybe the season that we're in as we're asking what's next. And she the title of her book is How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, Leading in a Liminal Season. And she she goes on and she talks about the whole. The whole book is around this this idea of liminal seasons, um, which is kind of it. It resonated with me as I think about the season that we're in right now, the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021. And she said the word comes from a Latin a Latin word and lemon, I guess I'm saying that correctly, but the the word literally means threshold. Um, it is the bottom part of a doorway that must be crossed when entering a building. So if you will, just, just get that picture in your mind of a door that you walked through at some point today, uh, maybe as you were leaving your house and going out the door to come to church, uh, maybe as you came into the church. But it's it's that piece of wood, it's the threshold that you cross over as you are going from one space into another space and so you're not really here anymore and you're not really there anymore she says but you're in this in between space and and in life, we and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We have transitional seasons of life when you get married, when you have your first baby, you know times when you move, when you're going from high school to college, and there are all these liminal seasons, these transition times. But I do believe that this moment that we're in right now uh, just seems to be. Um, more intense for a lot of us, Uh, you know, on this week we will see a new administration uh, sworn in, and so we're kind of in this liminal season, even as a nation, in terms of, uh, you know, that, that, that um, our our politics and everything, but as we are in, in this sermon series, we are looking at uh, stories from the life of Joshua, kind of at the end of the book of Exodus and and Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, uh, as they were leaving the wilderness and coming into the promised land. And we're looking at life lessons that we can take from Joshua and his story and Moses and his story as we try to say, you know, God, how can we live, how can we kind of move into what's next well when we're not exactly sure what what's next is even going to look like? It's so new. It's so unpredictable that we're we're not quite sure. So today I want to invite you to take out your bulletins. If you have them, if you're worshiping online with us, um, I believe the scriptures should come up on the bottom. But we are looking at um, a, a prayer that Joshua had, um, a, t- a time of, 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 of quiet, a quiet time, if you will. That's what, you know, many of us in kind of our evangelical world, we we talk about having a quiet time in the morning, a time when you meet with the Lord, when the Lord meets with you. We are looking at a conversation that Joshua is having in a liminal season, a time of transition. and I, And I believe that there are some insights in this, in this passage that are just so powerful and so insightful and and there there it's a conversation that that we can take away kind of these these questions, uh, these big ideas that that if we get it right, it is going to make all the difference about, how, in, I guess, in crafting and determining how we move into the new seasons in our lives. So let me set this up. We're looking at Joshua 5, verses 13 through 15. But let me give you the backstory. I know Mark has talked about some of this last week. But just to catch us up, um, when you get to the end of Deuteronomy, um, what has happening there is that the people of God have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and now they are on the threshold of the promised land. They are about to transition. The, the wilderness is, behind, is about to be behind them. The, the days of the manna are about to be behind them, having to follow the cloud by day, the fire by night. All of that, that season is coming to an end. Uh, the writer tells us that, that as they are there, kind of on the edge, on the brink of this this moment of transitioning into the promised land, the promise that God had given them, that, that Moses, their leader, dies. I think it's significant is that, it, you know, it tells us that Moses died. And then what the people of God did, it said that they mourned for 30 days They mourned for 30 days. So when we think about these liminal seasons, uh, it is typically a time when something is ending and something new is beginning. And what we see is how the people of God spent time to grieve and to reflect and to mourn. And the scriptures don't tell us a lot about what happened while they were in their 30 days of grieving and mourning, but I know what it looks like for us. So often, when we grieve, and, and even as as pastors, Mark and I, when we meet with a family uh, who has had a loved one pass away, and we are, you know, walking alongside them in that journey, and 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 work, and you know, trying to. Uh, Work on the funeral and kind of what the eulogy is is would look like and what they would like to be said about their loved one. Uh, One of the things that we invite people to do is to tell us uh, tell us the stories of the person uh, that you loved your mother your father your sister. Uh, What will you miss the most about them? And we tell these stories. And so as we see as they are coming to the end of the season in the wilderness that they gave time and space uh, to grieve and to mourn. We come into the book of Joshua. And it begins, and the Lord speaks to Joshua, and he says, Moses my, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you lead. Moses, my servant is dead, and now you lead. So Joshua takes this mantle upon himself, all the lessons, all the, you know, the leadership things that he's learned from Moses, all the stories from the wilderness, and now he's, he's the guy. He's the guy. They, uh, they circumcise everyone. They, uh, you know, God tells them the man is fixing the end. Several things happen. They cross the Jordan River. And then where our passage begins today, it says here that when Joshua was near the town of Jericho... So what's going on right here? Um, if you know your veggie tales, or if you went to vacation Bible school, you know the next story is um, when Jericho is defeated by the people of God. And you know the story, the walls came tumbling down and all that. And, and Mark's going to talk about that next week more in detail. And I want to kind of focus on what happened first. But but they're about to enter into this moment. And here's what's interesting to me I, we don't know, was this night, was it day, was it morning? I believe it, it had to be at night because here was this city about their, their adversary, and, and it says that Joshua, there's no one else with him. He's alone. He's by himself. And it says that he comes near to the town of Jericho. So he, he obviously has gotten close. He has gotten near. Is he, and, and we don't know, you know, is he, is he anxious? Is he worried? Is he confident? Is he scoping it out? We, we, you know, the scriptures don't tell us all of that, but just I invite you to imagine um, if you were in the story and you were Joshua, and you knew this was before you. And and y'all, he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy. If it fails, if it succeeds, I mean, it's kind of on his shoulders. And so he goes out, and he is there at Jericho. The next thing that happens, it says he looks up and he sees a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Now, at this point in the story, if you're reading it for the first time, you have no idea. It's like, oh my goodness. So here he is. He's, at, he's right there, maybe right at the very wall of Jericho. And there is a man and he's standing there and he's got a sword in his hand. Now, later on we're going to find out who this person is, but right now we don't know and Joshua doesn't know. What I love about Joshua is what he does next. He went up to him. So now let's imagine, what would you do? You're standing there, you're you're you know you got your people with you and then you've got Jericho in front of you and all of a sudden there's a man there standing with a sword. Would you run? I would run. But anyway, this tells us a little bit about who he is. He doesn't run. It says he goes up to him, and he asks him this question. And actually, the scriptures say he demanded. So he's kind of, I don't know, maybe bowing up just a little bit. He demanded. And this is the question that he asks the man. Are you a friend or are you a foe? And I just realized, I'm going, um, I think y'all might have the New American Standard there. And I've I've changed uh, translations on you. Um, But he says, are you with us or are you against us? Are you on my side or are you on the enemy's side? What I love here in in the New Living Translation, he says, neither one. The New American Standard Version, um, I like that translation because when he says, are you for us or are you against us? You're on my side or are you on somebody else's side? And, and literally in the Hebrew, the word is no. No. Now let's stop and let's think about that for a second. Joshua's standing there. He sees a man. He's got a sword. And he says, are you on my side or are you on their side? Are you with me or are you with them? This person goes on, and he says, neither. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Okay, well, that's kind of puzzling, because isn't Joshua the commander of the Lord's army? I mean, isn't he the one that, that God said, Moses, my servant, is dead, and now, Joshua, you're the guy. You go and you lead. You take my people into the promised land. But here's this. Here is a, someone saying, I'm the commander, not you, Joshua. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And what Joshua does at this moment, and this begins to tell you who this person is. He falls on his face. It says, and Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. And he says, I am at your command. What do you want your servant to do? At this moment, we, uh, uh, theologians and people who study this kind of thing, they, they tell us that what, has, what we're seeing here is what's called a theophany, a theophany. It is a manifestation of God uh, to a human being, uh, like in the flesh, pre-Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And so we know that this was not an angel. We know that this was not a human being because of what Joshua does. He falls at his feet and he worships this person. We know from other passages of scriptures when human beings fall at the feet of an angel, an angelic being, the angel will say, no, 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 no! don't worship me, don't worship me. So that is our, you know, our contextual clue as to who this is. And he says, but he falls down on his feet and he worships, and he says, I am at your command. Now, here's the thing. I want you to notice the second question. The first question was, are you on my side? Are you with me, or are you against me? Are you friend, or are you foe? Can I count on you? Can I count on you to to give me victory and success and deliverance? Can I count on you? And he says, no. No. And then he says, I am the captain of the Lord's army. And Joshua fell on his face. But the next question is, he said, what do you want your servant to do? What do you want your servant to do? Let's think about these two questions and how different they are. One is, are you on my side, God? And the other one is, bowing down knee to the ground, in, in reverence, in submission, um, in acknowledging his lordship, saying, what is it you want me to do? And then the commander of the Lord's army replied, and he said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. The place where, you, where you're standing is holy. I think that, liminal seasons in our lives can be holy times. They can be times that are pregnant with the presence of God. They can be times of of transformation in our own hearts and in our own lives in a time when God can do his deepest work, when the future seems uncertain and we aren't exactly sure what's next we can make sure that we're asking the right question, not, you know, Lord, will you bless our church? Lord, will you bless my business? Lord, will you bless my family? Lord, will you bless my, Lord, will you, me, 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 me. Lord, are you on my side? Lord, Lord, are you with me in this? And I think the question we should be asking is, Lord, as we head into this new season, as we, ne- as, we go, as we cross this threshold from 2020 to 2021, as we are seeing this transition even in our, in our government, as we see transitions in our church, as we see transitions in our lives, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is it you want my servant to do? Because I want to be on your side. I don't want to ask you to be on my side. When we think about what is it that the Lord would have us do, the thing that I'm reminded of is what Jesus told his disciples to do. After the the crucifixion and the resurrection, uh, and Jesus is meeting with his disciples before the ascension, he tells them, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even into the end of the age. As Jesus was talking to his disciples and and trying to help them to envision uh, what the church would be one day, and again, they couldn't even imagine it. Uh, they were in a liminal season, if you will, but he said, you know, the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, my body, my people, he said, the gates of hell will not not prevail against my church, you know. You know, he talked, Peter, he said, "This is my rock, and on this I'll build my church." As I think about our what's next, um, I think when the seasons are the most unclear about the future are these opportunities for God to do this deep work of transformation if we allow him. And I think it's this opportunity to be more discerning, uh, to cry out to him more, to rededicate, to recommit, to reorient as we bow humbly before our Lord. And we say, uh, Lord, what would you have your servant do? I believe some of our greatest times of transformation, uh, some of our greatest times of being uh, you know, changed into the image of God are going to happen during these liminal seasons in our lives. And I just think about, you know, what, what will the impact be uh, when people look at you and they look at your life and you are going through a time of transition, a time of change, a season of change? And, and as we are the church... Uh, Uh, As we are going through a season of change in our, you know, with COVID and with politics and all those, um, we can be these bright lights uh, that shine in the darkness as we model love and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self control. We can model uh, being the light bearers of who Christ would have us be as we continue with the mission of the church following closely with him and saying, what are you saying? What is it you've called me to do next? The story goes on and they do go into Joshua. I mean, they do go into Jericho and this is that beginning of this amazing story of the people of God entering into the promised land. Who knows what our future will hold in 2021, but we do know the one who leads us if we will follow him rather than asking him to be a part of our story. We have the great privilege of being a part of his story.